0: Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. we have called this message, uh, Predictable Jesus. We've looked at unpredictable Jesus. Now we're looking at predictable Jesus. In fact, we're actually gonna answer, uh, I believe a big question right now, and that is uh, how to be a friend uh, of God. He loves us all, but we're not all his friends. He called uh, uh, a man named Abraham. He changed his name from Abram, which means uh, uh, exalted father, to Abraham, which means uh, father of a multitude or father of many nations. And he said about Abraham, he said, Abraham was a friend of God. A man named Enoch walked so closely to God that it says that he didn't even taste death. He was just translated uh, straight from life straight into into heaven. I find that's pretty amazing. How would you like to have a walk that was so close to God that you didn't even have to die? That's what a friend uh, that uh, Enoch was to God. And then, of course, David, the Bible talks about David. He sinned. He missed it, majorly missed it. And yet... He was a man after God's own heart. In other words, he had friendship with God. He turned and and uh, started walking with God in a way that, that captured God's heart. Well, after the resurrection, the disciples were uh, hanging out with Jesus up until then, and they were told to go to Galilee, go to your hometown, so to speak, where there's a big lake. Go there and hang out and wait for me. So they're waiting for a between a month roughly a month to 40 days they're they're hanging out they're expecting they're gonna meet up again with their friend Jesus and uh and after something like a month uh they get tired they get tired of waiting and basically Peter says this he says hey look guys uh, uh this is this this is taking too long I'm going back to fishing now, he was a fisherman for a living, so he made his business that way, and, and so did some of the other disciples, and they, they got so tired of waiting that they basically they said, we're going back to our old vocation, we're going back to the thing that we love the most, and so they, they, they go back to fishing. And then when, um, when we picked up the story last, uh, the last uh, week, uh, he's fishing and not catching anything, in fact, they've toiled all night long. These guys are fishermen for a living. They caught nothing. They're dejected, they're, they're tired. In the morning, they look on the shore about a football field away, they see a man. And the man yells out and he says, let down your nets, in fact, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. And they do that, nothing to lose. And they catch so many fish that the nets are about to break and yet they don't break. In fact, they catch 153, depends if you're a fisherman or not, big fish. <laughs> and, uh, and then they realize that the man on the shore is Jesus. As soon as John recognizes that, he says, it's, it's the Lord. And, and, and Peter jumps out of the boat. Uh, again, I think he thought he was going to walk to Jesus, walk on water. And, and he, and he takes his, puts his overcoat on, and he goes ashore. And what do they find? They find Jesus there cooking them breakfast. So now they're back in that setting. They're back with their friend. Uh, He's met them, as he promised, in Galilee. And then we pick it up in John chapter 21. We're just going to read 15 to 23 here. And it says in verse 15, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? The the word that he uses here for love is that word agape. It's the highest kind of love. Again, it's that self-sacrificing love. Do you love me more than these? And he points to 153 fish, some nets, a boat. Do you love me more than what you've gone back to? He refers to him as Simon now, not Peter. Uh, Simon means a reed. he uh, formerly he changed his name from Simon to Peter, which means a rock, and he refers to him according to his own nature. And, and he says, Simon, do you love me with that kind of love more than you love these, pointing to, to the fish? And, 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 and Simon says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. However, he doesn't use the same word agape. He uses the word phileo, which means friendship. In other words, he's saying, ha, ha, well, we're friends. You, you know that I, I, I'm your friend. And Jesus says, feed my lambs, referring, of course, to people metaphorically. And again, verse 16, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you, that I you, that I am your friend. Jesus said, take care or tend to my sheep. And then verse 17, the third time, Jesus says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, he, he lowers the bar here, and he doesn't use the word agape, the highest kind of love, self-sacrificing love. He uses the same word that Peter has been referring to as love. He uses phileo, which means friendship. In other words, Simon, Are you my friend? The third time. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know that I am your friend. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. We're going to answer the question this morning. I believe it's a a fantastic question. What does it take to be a friend of God? What does it mean to be a friend of God? During these times that we're in right now, uh, with isolation and and no more than, you know, maybe in our state anyway here in Australia, we can only have two guests around. Uh, We're not allowed to congregate. We're not allowed to go to the beach and kind of hanging out except for uh, exercising. Uh, This auditorium right now is empty except for one person running the camera and the lights, it's just me, and uh, talking to you. Uh, And one of the things that I think people are missing the most is friendship. They're... they're The thing that they probably got tired of, and maybe you were one of them uh, before this uh, COVID-19, was just people all the time, people, people, uh, I I just need some time out, I just need some time by myself. Now now people have that time out, they've got all this time by themselves, and what is it that they really want? They want people, they want friendship, and yet uh, the very thing that they didn't want before, they want it now. But what about with God? This is the best time I've found to hang out with God. This is the best time to know whether or not uh, I am truly a friend of God, whether I'm predictable in, in my friendship, in my devotion with him, because he is so predictable, so consistent in his love toward me. Well, when you say that you love God, you really haven't said Much. I hear people all the time, I love God so much. You know, it's pretty easy to love somebody that's done so much for, for you. Think about this for the for a moment, but the one that created the whole universe, the one that holds everything in the palm of his hand, the one that went to a cross, had abuses hurled at him took all of our stinking sin and everything else that was contrary to us. He bore all of that in his own body on the cross. A horrific scene so much so that, that they they went, man, you he must have been cursed by God. You must have been, only God could have made a mess. Like he was, wasn't just an ordinary crucifixion. When he hung on the cross, it was grotesque. It was really bad. And, and and it looked like God had actually smitten him, but all of your sin, all of my sin, everything that caused you and I to miss the mark, everything that was contrary to us, every damnable thing was put on him. When you say that you love him, of course. It'd be like somebody that, you know, is a billionaire, squillionaire, and they give you Uh, everything. They just say, here's a mansion, and come to the car yard here. You know, pick up whatever Ferrari, Lamborghini that you want. It's all yours. I love you so much. You haven't said nothing. Uh, But when God says to us, I love you, that's such an amazing thing. But now, what does it mean to be a friend to somebody like that? That's the question that we're looking at right now. He took your sin, he took your shame, he gave up everything to give you everything. In fact, it says in 1 John 4, uh, 19, we love because he first loved us. So God's love for us is 100%, but what isn't 100% is our love for him. What does it mean to be a friend of God? Well, he goes on in this narrative in John here in, in verse 18, and, uh, he's, and Jesus says to him, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. You know, that was Peter all the way. Peter was the one that just left, left his partners, left his friends, so to speak, behind in the boat, jumped into the water when he sees Jesus. You guys can just haul the fish in. I'm out of here, man. And he's, you know— trying to hoof it, probably trying to walk on water to get to the shore where Jesus is. He was just impetuous. He was independent. You know, all of the things that, that people would, would value, actually, maverick, you know, I'm a maverick. You're, I'm independent. Those are not the things that cause friendship with God at all. And, 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 and Jesus says, you dressed yourself. You went where you wanted you were independent, in other words, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. In other words, you're going to learn dependence, Peter. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. I, I love the fact that uh, that Peter, when it did come time, history records anyway, that when it came time for him to die, he was crucified. And he didn't feel himself worthy to be crucified right side up like Jesus, so he insisted on being crucified upside down. The, the independence that Peter had was, was, was out of, he had matured into a real man of God, into a real friend of God somewhere toward the end. In fact, First and 2 Peter, great letters that, that, that Peter writes, they're just loaded up with what it means to be a friend of God. And then Jesus goes here, follow me. Verse 20. Peter, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loves, talking about John, the, the writer of, of this, uh, this letter, was following them. Uh, this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the upper at the supper, and had said, "Lord, who is going to betray you?" When Peter saw him, in others, when he saw John, he asked, "Lord, what about him?" I love this answer, Verse 22. Jesus answered if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. In other words, that's none of your business. Get your eyes off of everybody else. Why don't we just talk about you and I? Let's just talk about our friendship right now. I, I've i uh, watched people so many times, people just love to talk about other people. And, you know, somebody told me once if, if they're talking about someone else to you. Guess who they're talking about when you're not around? And I've determined in my life to suffocate the oxygen right out of gossip. I, I don't want anything to do with any of that because I know that I cannot be a friend of, of a person, a, another human being, by talking about them when they're not there. And if I'm a real friend, I'm going to tell them when I'm there what, what, what I, what I want to tell them, not behind their back. I think that... Uh, what Peter is doing here, he's looking at John. He's going, well, I really want to get into his business. Let's just get the spotlight off of me right now, and let's just get into John's business right now. What about him? What's it to you? Why are you worried about him? Be worried about me and you. I want, want you to be my friend more than uh, worried about him. I, I love First uh, Samuel 15. It says this, but I'm going to give you the first thing I believe. Uh, three key things about what it means to be a friend of God. And, and the first thing is friendship with God equals obedience to God. It says in 1 Samuel 15, it says, obedience is better than sacrifice. I was thinking about this. Why? Why is obedience such a key to friendship with God? And why is obedience better than sacrifice? What's up with that? What does that even mean? But you think about sacrifices that they made, especially under the Old Covenant, what we'd call the Old Testament. And, and sacrifices were made to, uh, to atone for sin. In other words, uh, they were there to make up for my disobedience. I know I'm going to be naughty. I know I'm not going to follow you, God. I know I'm going to break all your rules. Uh, but I'm going to throw a lamb on the barbecue, and, and that's going to cover it up, and that's going to that's do away with my lack of obedience. No, no, no. God says, obedience is better than sacrifice. It's better that you obey me than it is for you to disobey me and then go and make penance and sacrifices and, and do all that stuff. Have you ever wondered why Jesus got so upset when he goes into the temple and he sees him doing all the sacrifice stuff, and he fashions a whip. And I could just see him. He's quiet. It's like, what's up? What are you doing there? Nothing. Just wait. He's he's got some three, three cords there. He's he's making a, a a whip. He's braiding that that thing together. And then he gets really angry. But it's a righteous anger. I like the fact that you can get angry for a right in a righteous way. And and he starts all of a sudden. He just, you know, here's God. You know, he's God in the flesh, and he's going. He's lost it. He's turning tables over, and and he's got a whip. And he sees all these religious guys, this this big cover up, and, and he's taking a whip and he's chasing them out of there. And he's really upset. He says, "You have taken a place of prayer, a place of humility, a place of obedience to God." Uh, you have taken that, and you've made it a den of thieves. You're selling these stinking sacrifices to cover up for your disobedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Listen to this, and I think you'll get something uh, amazing out of, out of this. But think about the friendship for a moment uh, that love has towards somebody. And, and look at John 15, 13. It says this, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for ones, and here's this word, friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. For there to be real friendship, there has to be this trust, there has to be an obedience towards a common purpose, which is the second thing that uh, that I want to want to give you. It's purpose that, that real friendship. The deeper the purpose, the 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 more common the bond and the shared purpose, which which could be translated a dream, uh, a vision that comes out of the heart when when two people meet, and uh, you know one of the most important things that they can do is to start to share their dreams. They start to dream, and the dream comes from the inside out. They start to share their heart. They start to share their common purpose with one another. And, and, and what is that doing? It's giving them something to bond. That's not just a, a "oh, love you, baby. Look at me. Look at my eyes. Oh, you know, you just turn my world upside down." You just complete me. You make me so happy. No, 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 no. Purpose goes way deeper than that. It's the dream that's in your heart that you share with the other person that causes a friendship or a bond to take place. Imagine to be a friend of God when God starts to download his dream into your heart, and you start to then share that dream with someone else. Something amazing starts to happen. Tax collectors become friends with fishermen. Uh, uh, people that really are misfits that don't even belong together, they start forming a, a, a friendship together. I, I, growing up, I was thinking about this, the friends that I had, and I had like some really super smart friends that I leaned heavily on in high school, especially when it came to physics and chemistry and all those kinds of subjects that I was not any good at at all. And so if I if I had a problem with uh, one of those mathematical kind of things, uh, you know, I'd go visit my friends, the Siley brothers. And, you know, they'd work it all out and everything. Even after doing my homework for me, I still didn't understand it. I'd uh, <laughs> still take the exam and fail. But at least I got through the assignments that were given to me, the ones that I could, you know, go go and visit them. But then I had some other friends. And by other, I mean totally the opposite of the super smart, super uh, straight kind of guys. Uh, I had some friends that were, well, they were crooked. Let me just put it bluntly. <laughs> they, were, they were the wrong side of the track friends. And, and I, I really enjoyed Spending time with them—they were not cool at all. By the definition of whatever cool is, you know, those friends were not cool. In fact, the smart ones weren't really that cool either, in a in a cool sense. And, and I, I kind of swung as a pendulum between those those two. Uh, but I remember thinking, how how amazing is it the group of friends that I have and the diversity of that? And why is that that I I've almost continued that? Not not so much with the, uh, well crooked side of things, although I have led Bible studies with the Rebel Bikes gang here in town. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I still do love spending time with people that weren't born with a silver spoon in their mouth, so to speak, that are hungry for the things of God, trying to break things down and get it into their their world. But uh, I just think that variety when it comes to friendship is an amazing thing. And when you think about purpose and when you think about dreams, don't just think big all the time. We tend to think, Oh, I don't have a dream. You know, that's good for you, Pastor Ed. You know, you've got a dream to reach the nations. I just, I don't even know how to get across the street. Don't worry about it. Do you know, when I'm walking uh, the dog or I'm walking around the neighborhood or whatever, my, my purpose is not some big grandiose thing out there. My purpose might be just to say hi to somebody that needs somebody to say hi to them. I've sat down and chatted with Uh, one older guy that was over 100 years old, he was a policeman before they even had cars. He said, yep, I was a policeman in a place called Tamworth. He used to ride a horse. I can remember when the first horseless carriages came in. Uh, He remembers, of course, the television and, and, uh, you know, listening to the wireless. And, yeah, just sit there for as as long as it took for this old guy to, to really feel like he's connected with somebody and they have a friend. That's purpose, Purpose is little bite-sized chunks, which leads to the third thing that uh, I believe it means to be a friend of God, and that is to love people. What is it that God did uh, that that shook the world? He went to the cross. Why? For God so loved the world. What's the world? Is it just nature? Is it the mountains out there or something? No, for God so loved people. There's not a person on the planet that God is not intensely in love with, including you. Like I said, love doesn't differentiate. Love is a one way. It's like the the sun shines on the just and the unjust. And yet, uh, so many of us have trouble uh, loving other people or even being friends with other people. If you're going to be a friend of God, you've got to tend the sheep. You've got to feed the sheep. You've got to love what God loves, and God loves people. It doesn't take much to push pause in your busy life and not see people as speed bumps when you're going about your busy agenda and everything else. And right now, because we're all in isolation, supposedly, and, and locked down and all the rest of it with this virus, it's given uh, uh, it's given us time and, and it's taken away some of the excuses that we have, not to just be in somebody's world as a light, as a friend, to uh, just to be there to encourage people. That's purpose. And to, and, and to increase that dream and start to think with other people, how can we bless people more? How can we be a better friend of people? And in doing so, you're going to be a better friend of God. I, I look around and it's not just the Beatles song, you know, look at all the lonely people. Uh, I look around, and I see lonely people everywhere, but here's the catch. Some of the most lonely people are surrounded by people that they would call friends. They've got people all over the place, and you think, oh, it must be nice to have as many friends as you, and yet... The truth be known, they're lonely. It's not in the numbers of people that are surrounding you all the time and all the chatter and how many likes you've got on all the social media and everything else. That's not about it. Do you know, you can starve to death in the middle of a grocery store. You can be on aisle nine where all the snacks are. You can be on aisle 10 where all the you know goodies are and all the uh, health food stuff. Or you can be over in the bakery section. But if you don't eat of any of that, if you don't partake of that, you can starve to death in the middle of a grocery store. You can starve to death surrounded by people. That's not the point. The point is loving people, taking time, and doing what God did. He took the time to stop and talk with a woman with the issue of blood. He took the time to address these lepers. He took the time to uh, talk to a, a, a short little guy named Zacchaeus. He says, come down from the tree, man. We are gonna. I'm going to your house tonight, and we're going to have dinner. Are you serious? The God of the universe is going to go have dinner with a little dude. He took the time to stop a tax collector named Matthew, who is an outcast. I mean, I don't like paying my taxes all that much. And I've got two governments I got to pay my taxes to at the moment. Another story. Uh, but you know, to take time out to go with Matthew, a tax collector, and, and to have dinner and to hang out for three and a half years with him. What a friend we have in Jesus, the question now is: How can I be His friend? He is extending you a hand of friendship. Would you love what He loves? Would you get into His world and start to dream about what He's dreaming about? Would you start to see the purpose and and, and the plan for obedience that I can be obedient and He'll no longer call me servant. I'm not I'm not obeying like some kind of a slave. I want, I want to be obedient by serving so that I can get a download and I can start to hear and see things that he sees and he can start sharing me sharing with me the most intimate thoughts. I want to have that common purpose and I want to have that common common uh, love and desire for people. And then the last thing, and I'm going to uh, close with this, but the last thing about friendship in general and certainly with God is that we value God his presence. I don't believe you can have a friend that you don't spend any time with. And I'm talking about not just likes, again, on social media. That's not friendship. That's something else. But true friendship is you hang out together. I think about one of the one of the closest friends that I've ever had, and his name's Alan Taylor. He, he uh, was, was killed in a car accident quite a few years back, he and his wife both together. And every time we get together, Al had an insatiable appetite to reach lost people. We would go in his little tinny, we'd go out to Old Woman Island, uh, we'd spend the whole night out praying out there, eating oysters off the rocks, and every chance he got, like if if there was anybody at all that he'd run into, he would share the love of God. He was the principal of a a large school, he was on a really good wage, six figures, he gave that up to be the chaplain of a primary school, and, and honestly, you know, living hand-to-mouth with that. Uh, He was just passionate about people, the zeal to do what God called him, to tend to the sheep and love even the little children. I, I learned so much from him. I walked, watched him, you know, push a, a guy around in a wheelchair that couldn't talk, couldn't, uh, couldn't do anything. He was just a vegetable. And every, every Sunday, you know, Al would pick him up, load him up, didn't get paid for it. And he'd go around, he would just spend time with this guy. And I'm like, I would look at him and I'd think, man, like, wow, you are amazing. His wife, Kari, served God the same way, so passionately. She went to high school with one of our uh, former prime ministers, Kevin Rudd, and actually debated him in high school in, in uh, Nambour, and, uh, and and won, won the debate. In fact, Kevin Rudd actually eulogized and gave a, a little talk about her, you know, uh, for their funeral, that she actually won the debate, and the debate, the debate, the subject of the debate was, is there a God? And he said that she won the debate. He debated there is no God. She debated that there is. She won the debate and went on and did amazing things as well. But always serving God, always a passion and a hunger for the things of God. I, I cannot get over that point, though, that they just love hanging out. Hanging out with God is one of the most amazing things that you can do. You say, well, how do you do that? It's not that hard. Somebody says, oh, it's just your imaginary friend. You have got it spot on. God made us in His image. He gave us an imagination. You need to engage your imagination, your image maker, and spend time with God. Oh, that's just brainwashing. You are 100% right. I said to God, my my friend, I said, man, take this dirty brain of mine and clean it out, and He does that daily, and and I love Him for it so that I can see what He sees, and I can hear what he, He hears, and I can spend time in the presence of God and then go and help people. This is not hard. It's not rocket science. What does it mean to be a friend of God? Well, I hope that that has helped you in some way. I hope that this is translated some way into your world, bite-sized chunks, little things. Just just be, be a light, be an encouragement, be a friend to somebody. And in doing so, you watch what will happen with your friendship with God. Well, I want to uh, take a moment right now, and I'm going to pray for you. And then it would be my privilege to introduce you to him, to uh, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I love to finish this way because I, I don't feel like I would be complete in, with this message if I didn't give you a chance to start a friendship with him. And uh, so I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a moment. Uh, just before I do, though, I want to pray for you because I realize that wherever you're at, you might be facing hardships like unemployment, uh, perhaps uh, sickness, or, or, or even loneliness. You might, you might say, man, I am lonely. I don't know that I have any friends at all, uh, but I want, I want you to know that God is a, is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and I'd love to introduce you to him. So let me pray for you right now, and then I'd like you to pray with me and to uh, give you that chance to ask Jesus Christ into your heart. Well, Father, I just pray for every person right now that's watched this uh, broadcast and I pray right now, Father, that wherever they're at, whatever their needs are, that you would meet them right where they're at. I thank you that we don't need to be cover-ups. We don't need to be sacrificing things right now. We just need to spend time and, and, and dare to ask you and believe you that you are good. And right now I pray for those that are out of work, that you would give them creative ideas, that you would give them favor that uh, every place that that their their feet tread upon, as you've promised, you've given it to them. And I thank you that this season shall surely pass. And we believe not just for a job or any job, but we believe for something with purpose for those people that are looking for work right now. And I pray right now for those people that that are in need of a healing right now. In in Jesus' name, he is Christ the healer. He took all of your sickness, all of your sin on the cross. Uh, That is such a great provision. And I, I pray right now for God's hand of healing to meet you right where you're at in your living room or bedroom, wherever you are. I just pray right now I speak healing into your life right now. If you just want to reach out your hand toward the screen, uh, just as a point of contact. And, and right now, I believe God will s- extend his hand of healing into your body in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for those that... Uh, that may not have friends, you might be suffering from loneliness, I pray that you can reach out to a church in your area. If you don't know of any, please email us and we'll try to put you in contact or put a church in contact with you. Uh, But I I really do encourage you, don't give up on people, just start to serve people. Don't so much uh, look for friends, look to be a friend and you'll find that you'll have friends. So Father, I pray for those people as well that are lonely right now you can mend a broken heart. If you've lost a loved one, I pray for the healing of God to come into you right now. And Lord, mend that broken heart in Jesus' name. Now, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, or perhaps you've gone away from him, I want to pray for you right now. This is not a formula. It's not a ritual. It's just a heartfelt prayer. And uh, if you just want to take time right now and just say this prayer after me, God promises that you shall be Saved. And that's, that's a great promise. I, I, I would love to know that, that you've prayed this prayer. So when we finish, if you'd like to email me at city-church.com.au, that would be fantastic. So let's pray right now. Father, I thank you right now for every person that would open up their heart. If you want to say this after me, say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. It's as simple as that. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time or you've come back to God, God's met you with that. Uh, your faith has reached out there. He's received that. And you're as saved as you're ever going to get. It's not about what you can do somebody said it's not spelled D-O-D-O, it's D-O-N-E, done. It's what he has done, not what you can do. And uh, if you've prayed that prayer, you've received that gift right now. And uh, I'd like to know, so please take the time to contact me. Well, we're going to see you next week. We'll start a new series next week, and uh, you'll hear more about that. But God bless you. Thank you so much for being part. Uh, of of this uh, live stream and I pray right now that you would be blessed in whatever you're doing. Amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net. Or email us your feedback at infocity-church.com. At